Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and best of Buffy's bestest buds, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar and emotional marathon man, Noelle LaCroix. And we're here today to talk about Revelations, the seventh episode of season three. Revelations aired on November 17th, 1998, and was written by Doug Petrie with Jane Espenson as executive story editor and directed by James A. Contner. Petrie and Espenson are two of my all-time favorite writers. So I got to say, when I see their names on the masthead, I squee a little bit. (laughs) And it's that kind of squee over writers and pairings of writers and directors that just brings us so much joy here. It's still pretty. (laughs) And that is why we talk about all of Buffy, the entire run. We may bring up anything from any point in any season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) So if you're spoiler sensitive, Binge the whole show. Come on back. We'll be here for you when you're done. Excuse me, Mary Poppins, but it's time to go on patrol. In Revelations, the Scoobies gather at the Bronze for a fun night of dancing and super obvious guilt-inspired awkwardness from Willow and Xander. They quickly change the subject from their weirdness to Buffy's absentness, wondering if she's got a new bow. Buffy says she's going out with someone, and is Faith. They go to the graveyard, engage in some slayage, and as they ask Giles for feedback on their performance, they get that feedback from an unexpected source. Your telegraph punches leave blind sides open and uh, for a school night slaying take entirely too much time. Which one of you is Faith? Depends. Who the hell are you? Gwendolyn Post. Mrs. Your new watcher. Faith doesn't want a new watcher, but Gwendolyn Post doesn't care. They need to find the demon Lagos and the glove of Minigan, which has super destructive powers. Gwendolyn Post also has super destructive powers and that she's really rude to Giles and she sucks. Out of the mansion, Buffy and Angel are doing sexy Tai Chi together, which results in sexy almost kissing and then sexy running out in a tizzy, but not before Buffy tells him about the glove and Lagos. Lagos. Some demon looking for some all-powerful thingamabob and... I gotta stop him before he unleashes unholy havoc, and it's another Tuesday night in Sunnydale. At the library, Giles, Xander, and Willow are researching Lagos. Xander and Willow go into the stacks and start kissing, and Giles interrupts them, telling them they're done researching for the night. He's found out where the glove is. Xander goes to stake out the place out of guilt and sees Angel coming out of the tomb. He follows Angel back to the mansion where he sees Buffy and Angel making out. And after all this, we don't get to see the moment they first kiss? Bad play, TV show. (laughs) Anyway, Buffy freaks out and breaks it off, so Angel returns their focus to the business of the day. Glove of Minigon. The world's ugliest fashion accessory. No doubt. Once you put it on, the glove can never be removed. So, no touching. Xander tells Giles, and they call a meeting in the library where they all ambush Buffy about her secret liaisons with Angel. Everyone expresses their justifiable concern, and Buffy tries to explain, but Xander goes off like an asshole and blows the whole thing up. They all leave Buffy alone with Giles, and when Buffy tries to talk to him, he is understandably hurt. You should have told me he was alive. You didn't. You have no respect for me or the job I performed. Gwendolyn Post visits Faith and does the classic abusive move of poisoning her mind against Buffy and her friends. 
Buffy talks to Willow, who understands why Buffy did what she did, and maybe over-identifies a little with need to keep secrets, but whatever. Buffy has a plan to stake out the crypt where Angel found the glove until Lagos shows up. Good plan. But Faith finds Xander at the bronze, and he tells her Angel is still alive and has the glove. She says he's clean. Yeah, well, I said we can't afford to find out. I say I deal with this problem right now. I say I slay. Giles calls Gwendolyn Post in to talk about the glove. He tells her where it is, then says he has a way to destroy it. So she knocks him out with a statue. And, you know, it really is time we got Giles, like a football helmet, perhaps some non-tweedy padding. At the crypt, Willow is about to confess all to Buffy when Lagos the demon shows up and Buffy fights him. After the fight, Willow loses her nerve to share and they decide to go tell Giles that Lagos is dead. At the library, Faith and Xander show up to get some weapons when they find Giles knocked out on the floor. Xander calls for help, but Faith isn't interested in waiting around. Faith, if we leave, Giles could die. Yeah, he's going to have a whole lot of company unless I do something permanent. Buffy and Willow show up at the library as Giles is being carted out by EMTs, and Xander tells Buffy that Faith went to kill Angel and retrieve the glove. Buffy heads out to deal with that, leaving Xander and Willow to research how to destroy the glove. At the mansion, Angel has already made up the living flame to destroy the glove when Gwendolyn Post shows up, looking for the glove. He tells her where it is, and she knocks him out with a shovel. He gets up as she's trying to get the glove. They fight, and Faith finds him fighting with her watcher. Mrs. Post! I can't believe how much I'm going to kill you. You're not getting that glove. You want to bet? Faith and Angel start fighting, then Buffy comes in and stops Faith from staking Angel. And then they fight, and basically this is violent French farce. At this point, I'm waiting for Fraser Crane to pop in through the door with a silk robe and a tricorn hat. Anyway, Buffy and Faith fight. Xander and Willow show up and help Gwendolyn Post, who grabs the glove, knocks out Willow, and puts it on, gaining ultimate cosmic power. What's going on? Faith, a word of advice. You're an idiot. The farce is over and everyone knows that Gwendolyn Post is bad as she uses her new power to shoot lightning from her hand and tries to kill them all. Buffy throws a shard of broken glass at her, cuts off her arm, and the lightning burns her up. At school, everyone gathers for a post-mortem on the events of the night. Angel saved Willow, so she sort of likes him again. They destroy the glove with a living flame. And it appears that Gwendolyn Post was a watcher, but got kicked out for misuse of dark magic. Xander and Buffy make up, and Buffy goes to see Faith. She tries to make it right with Faith, but Faith is too hurt and pushes Buffy away, finishing the job Gwendolyn Post began of separating her from her friends. I'm on your side. I'm on my side. And that's enough. All right, Noelle. So here we are, Revelations. Um, It's never been really one of my favorite episodes. I think it's a good episode, but Mm -hmm. it's never really lit me up. Although there are definitely certain elements in it that I really, really like. I'm curious to know what your response is to it. Well, this is, you know, as everyone knows by now, this is my first rewatch in a while. And I didn't remember this episode at all. Mm-hmm. Like at all. Um, and I was I was surprised that I didn't remember it because, oh, my God, Gwendolyn Post is the absolute worst. Right. I hate her so much. I um, know. But I mean, I like the way it kind of moves along some of the plot pieces that we have been mm-hmm. putting in motion. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make my socks go up and down. It's it's a competent episode. Yeah. And I I mean, and I do like, like, I respect it. 
you know, um, and there are things in it that are really good, but I don't know. Like it's, it's one of those episodes, I think possibly because it comes between band candy and lovers walk that anything in this space um, is going to make me feel a little bit like, okay, whatever. It's yeah. not delighting me. Move on. There's no yeah. spike. There's no Giles and Joyce acting like children. Right. You know? um, so for me, I think it, it just, I don't know. Like I, I do, I think it's good. I think it's it, a good piece of television. And yeah, I think there's it, really competent stuff happening. But it, it does what it does well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's kind of, that's kind of all I got. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I got. Yeah. Me too. Although speaking of band candy very quickly, I do want to kind of resolve a little something from last week. Last week we talked about band candy. I was talking about Giles's uh, childhood accent, you know, and that he must have had it beaten out of him and, you know, and learned received pronunciation uh, later on. But people who actually know what they're talking about, like who have lived in the UK and I've never even so much as visited. So I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And I think, I think I did acknowledge that I was talking out of my ass (laughs) last week a little bit. Right. Um, but we have had a couple of people who had kind of a different take on it. And one of them was Vamp Advocate from the um, from the Discord chat. And she sent me this wonderful explanation. Hi, uh, it's, um, it's Vamp Advocate from the uh, message board. It's quite interesting, actually, because for a small country, we actually have quite a lot, an extremely varied amount of uh, regional accents. And uh, pretty much every major city has one. There's even kind of a little bit of variety with Queen's English or received pronunciation because there's, I think it's gone much more middle class and sort of have the traditional received pronunciation accents. Even the kind of aristocratic voice has kind of changed a bit over the years. I mean, the Queen talks in a manner that's much more clipped um, and less drawly than even Prince William does. But um, to to bring... Coming up the subject, uh, what I was explaining about on the uh, on the Discord channel was estuary English, and I think it's a lot of people like. Um, I think Giles's received pronunciation accent is actually his his default one because he's he's actually a third generation watcher. This is catalogued in the uh, in the comics, and I think it's mentioned in the program. His both his grandmother and his father were watchers, and there's, there's actually the first Angel of Faith comic which goes into quite a lot more detail about his background. Um, but um, but also, also um, I think one thing that basically um, hyped up the, uh, the adopting a lower-class London East End accent happened really with the punk era, I get the impression. And he was, uh, which I think he would have been young when, when he sort of went through his dissolute phase. So he would have adopted that type of accent because it would have been sort of hip at the time. But, uh, yeah, Estuary English, you have, it's sort of named after the Thames Estuary, which is, kind of goes out between Essex and Kent, sort of on the, just kind of to the east of London. And I think part of it was you got a lot of EastEnders kind of moving out into Essex, particularly into Essex, which has a has a reputation of, akin to New Jersey for kind of general um, shabbiness, I think we call it in this country. It's, and But also you've got kind of a few sort of middle-class people adopting this sort of mock uh, lower-class e, uh, London accent. 
But what makes it really interesting is that uh, Anthony Head himself is from an, an area called Camden Town, which is not the traditional working-class London East End Docker area, but it kind of has a strange sort of space because it's half... It's half quite a down-at-heel area, but it's also quite bohemian. It's quite famous for its markets, and I think there were certainly periods where large amounts of people from the music industry it kind of flocked around this uh, this area. It's yeah, it's a little bit the strange sort of uh, occupies a kind of strange space, but it is quite a sort of genuine London accent. Thank you so much, Vamp Advocate, for giving us that little insight into uh, into Teenage Giles. Um, I think absolutely, now that you guys have, and more than one person has brought that to my attention, because of course, every time I say something stupid, everybody's like, well, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> and I like that. Um, but uh, but it was, it was really, it, it's a nice insight into that. And I was really glad to have that. So uh, anybody who ever wants to like, you know, correct us with a voice memo, just email the MP3 to us and we'll put it up. It'll be great. <laughs> Oh, hey, that'll be fun. Yeah, no, this, I love it. This love week it. on What We Got Wrong from last this time. Week on what we, got wrong. we can have a whole segment on that. Oh, that'll be great. All right. Perfect. So, yeah, email that to, to info at chipperish.com and we'll find it. So uh, I guess the first thing we really need to talk about in Revelations is uh, is Gwendolyn Post. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mrs. 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 Post. Gwendolyn Mrs. Post. Oh, yes. my God. Um, I think she may be like the first iteration of Maggie Walsh in a way. Like I see some, I see some related DNA there that there's this, you know, this woman, um, she's strong, she's capable, she's moving in Giles' space. Um, she's a bitch to Giles, you know? Oh my God. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, so I kind of like, I, I got that same kind of feel from her, although, you know, clearly she's, uh, is she worse than Maggie? No, she just doesn't last as long as Maggie. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> she's not really worse. Maggie's pretty bad um but like you know my first note on her is wow she's an asshole you know yeah <laughs> she's just the worst yeah she just swoops in and is like the worst right out of the yeah. game it's yeah yeah I mean she's so rude to Giles and she's like well do you have this book do you have this book and then when he has the book she's like oh well of course you know of course um you do. it's Ugh. just she's so so awful and then when she's like pictures are fun to look at but one really should read the words as well like I just want I want Giles to kind of punch her in the face. Like I'm not I'm not a fan of violence, right? Yeah. You know, whether it be men hitting women or women hitting men, either way, I'm I'm not into it. Once she puts on the glove and people can start beating the hell out of her, then I'm okay. <laughs> you know, because like she's given them a reason to hit her. You know, because she's, um, she's you know trying so to burn people up. Dreadful right? in that scene. She's so dreadful, and yes. of course she says that she says that, and then the tea kettle whistles, mm-hmm. which is just yes. a great like. Alarm bell. Yes. It's a mm-hmm. wonderful. There's something wrong with this woman. Wonderful, mm-hmm. like, sound cue there. I just, I I can't stand that. That last bit about the, you know, you know, the pictures are fun to look at, Mr. Giles. I just, oh. Yeah. She makes me yeah. so angry. And taking the tea bag out of the teacup and producing yeah. her own tea from her <laughs> purse is like A plus level evil Brit bullshit. Like, this is like, how we know for sure. Do you not know how to behave? I understand that tea <laughs> is important, but it's just such a it's, but it's such so a rude. dick move. It's it is. Such, she's such a dick. I just hate her so much. I um, know. And she's not even fun to hate the way Maggie Walsh is. Like, you mentioned yeah. Maggie Walsh and I kind of, I mean, Maggie Walsh is terrible, but I kind of mm-hmm. like her because I kind of love 
like yeah being mad when she's on screen and you know just being pissed off about all of her you know all of her nonsense but Mm -hmm. i don't know like and maybe it's just that we don't get enough time with gwendolyn post maybe if she were here for several episodes and we kind of built this like evil evil ex watcher thing but i just like she's just She's whatever the she's whatever the feminine mustache twirling villain is, and I don't like it. Exactly, I don't like it. <laughs> Female version of that is, yeah, yeah. No, she is very clearly. Although one thing that I actually like, I don't love her, but I love how they did it because uh, mm. I think that what she does for Faith in this in this episode, or what she does for Faith's character arc, not yes. for Faith, she hurts yeah. Faith. Um, but what she does for Faith's character arc is so interesting. Like, you know, first of all, she does the classic abusive move of isolating Faith, you know, separating her from her friends, mm-hmm. dropping these little hints that they're excluding Faith, you know, all of this stuff. Um, and then, of course, Faith, you know, Faith just went through this huge traumatizing experience with her watcher being murdered in front of her, yeah. you know? And so here she is coming into this situation, seeing this vampire she doesn't trust, hitting her watcher, right? I mean, she's completely back in that moment with Kikistos. And so what what we've got from Faith in this episode, like, I love that whole, God, that horrible, abusive, manipulative you know, wedge that she puts in between Faith and Buffy, you know, and Faith, we see that a little bit with Faith earlier in the episode when she's trying to talk to Buffy, you know, she's trying to get Buffy to talk about Angel and Buffy won't talk about Angel. And Faith is clearly hurt by that. And she's like, yeah, you know, okay, whatever. But like, her ability to trust is already shot. Um, And she gets into this, this group, this community, and she feels like part of it. You know, and Buffy, when she's hanging out, Buffy comes to the bronze and says, you know, I actually do have somebody I'm going out with tonight. And the faith comes in and says, we got to motivate, which is like, I love that, you know. Yeah. Um, and the two of them arms around each other go out. They're slain. They've got synchronized slain. They do yeah. the high five, like all this stuff that faith has never had, you know. And then this Gwendolyn Post, I mean, we can mark faith's heel turn from Gwendolyn Post, This is what starts it. You know, this is where she doesn't trust that they want her there, that she doesn't trust that she's actually part of everything. Um, She feels excluded. She feels isolated. And then she goes to further isolate herself. Um, But her vulnerability, Faith's vulnerability in all of this, while she's being so tough, um, it is so clear how vulnerable she is and how deeply she feels everything. And it's so heartbreaking. Like at the end when Buffy's trying to talk to her and oh she's like, God. yeah, whatever. And yeah. then she says Buffy and Buffy turns around and she's like nothing. And that's yeah. it. And it's, oh God. Yeah. It's that, oh, that, that internal struggle mm-hmm. between, you know, do I take the risk one more time and be vulnerable again and maybe get hurt again, but maybe have that connection or right. do I do the thing that I've always done of just relying solely on myself and yeah. choosing not to trust anyone? And pushing it's, people away. Oh, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. Because she's so she's so open and vulnerable in that scene where she and Buffy are walking and she's mm-hmm. talking about she's talking about guys and how you can't trust them and she's yeah. being really like <laughs> It's funny because she's being so, she's being so vulnerable, but she's also being kind of sweet and playful with Buffy, which I love, you know, he boinked the undead. What was that like? (laughs) Like, she's not, 
<laughs> she's not prying. She is trying to bond with Buffy. It's a bid for connection. Yeah. And that is so vulnerable when people make a bid for connection and then it's not met. Yeah. Um. Oh, God, it's so hard. And it's so hard to watch. And the thing is, like, we know all the context. We know why. Buffy doesn't talk to her best friends about this. Like, yeah. she doesn't open up. But Faith doesn't know that. Yeah. And, yeah. oh, God. And it's so... And then she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to go slay. You know, I'll see yeah. you later. Yeah. And she just kind of goes off and is all cool about it. But you can see that she's hurt. And then when Gwendolyn Post comes in, you know, with the one-two punch and says, oh. yeah, they're having some kind of secret meeting secret about meetings. whatever. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, God. It's, it's just... It's all so heartbreaking. Poor Faith. Poor Faith. I love her more every time I see her. Like, I just... Yes. She's so... She is such a great counterpoint to Buffy. Mm -hmm. You know, Buffy has all of this community and Faith. You can see how she's just reaching for it. She would love to have that. Yeah. And she's just, that fear is still there. And then, of course, Mrs. Post comes in and just separates Mm -hmm. her even further. And ruins everything. Everything that happens to Faith is Gwendolyn Post's fucking fault. And here we we have another adult woman who is like actually a villain, like the worst. We have, I mean, I'm so, I don't like it. We need some, (laughs) we need some like strong female characters who are not not 17. Yeah, who are not villains. I mean, aside aside from Joyce, and Joyce, let's face it. Is not having a great run. She's not batting a thousand. Oh, Joyce, poor she's Joyce. She's not. She's not evil. You know. No, no but jo- oh, yeah. Joyce, 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 Joyce. She's not even in this episode. But I just look at her I and I'm know. like, oh, sweetie, were you written by a man? You, were so- you written? By- I know. Like, oh, <laughs> I want a T-shirt that says God. that. Oh, sweetie, were you written by a man? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it's oh. uh, so Joyce. But Joyce has had a really rough run. Although I think Joyce, I think this season is when Joyce starts to get better and things start to improve. But it is a slow and awkward kind of tumble into better. You know. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. So yeah. I don't know. But it is like you know we don't have. I mean we had Jenny. You know for a mm-hmm. short while, who still ended up betraying everybody. Right. Like, was not perfect. And the end right. was was essentially good. Um, but still had that act of betrayal, but like, you know, a, a, a strong adult female who is not up to no good. Um, I don't think we've had granted the only male we've had is up to, who's not up to no good. It's like adult male is, is Giles. Although I guess, you know, Angel counts as an adult male. Um, but, and again, he also, he also did go bad there for a while. So I don't know. Um, it's, it's interesting how we have that lack of, of strong grown up woman, you know, who's like not a hot mess in one way or another. Yeah. Because of course, I mean, and we saw this last week, like that's Buffy's role. She has to be the adult. Mm -hmm. She has to be the adult and it's tremendously unfair well her um, and miss barton are there yes. any nachos in here little yes! tree? Miss barton. <laughs> oh my god i hope miss barton is feeling better after her high from last week oh i god. hope miss barton is out partying every night i hope that this <laughs> awoke within her the knowledge that she's not dead yet <laughs> she can go out and have a good goddamn time um but you know hopefully with a with people her own age because <laughs> hanging out of the bronze is not a good look on middle-aged people <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. Um, so, uh, Buffy and Angel, 
Um, yes. Let's talk a little bit about Buffy and Angel. Because Buffy and Angel, um, you know, you never really felt the Buffy and Angel thing. I right? never really felt the Buffy and Angel thing. And I was watching for it because I mm-hmm. know that I know that this is like this great, you know, TV pairing and people are just crazy about Buffy and Angel. And there's this, you know, she comes over to to Angel's series and there's drama there. And like, it's, it's, I really wanted to, to get it, to really understand it and feel it. And I was, I was watching for it and it seems to me like it goes very quickly from Angel is kind of creepy and stalking Buffy in the shadows to in season one you mean yeah Mm -hmm. yeah 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 in season one to their making out through her Mm -hmm. open window and I'm like where did the wait a minute like where did the (laughs) relationship part happen because suddenly they love each other and like Mm -hmm. all right you know I'll go along with it if the show tells me that like these people are a couple and in love all right okay Mm -hmm. but I didn't I didn't see any sort of a build to the relationship. So I'm just kind of like, at this point, I'm like, along for the ride. Like, yeah, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get it. I see what you're, I see what you're showing me, show. But like, <laughs> with, with Oz and Willow, we got that mm-hmm. lovely, like, slow build of their connection. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. even, and even with Oz observing Willow and her not knowing Mm-hmm. We still like I still felt the kind of growing connection and affection. Right. Well, it wasn't stalking. Yeah. Like he observed her when she showed up in the spaces he was already in. And yeah. then he just got and that's fine. Stalking, you know. Um, and so, like, I can understand how um, how that can like there's a lack of buildup because even with like Giles and Jenny there was loads of buildup there yeah um with even with Xander and Cordelia I mean they had this slap slap kiss thing going on you know but they had they were slapping each other for a long time before they got to the kiss yes yeah so you had that sense from them you know that uh that there was something building and with Angel and Buffy a lot of it like for me part of it is they work together like you know that to me is the key to the key to my heart is the work right you know, yeah. like when people work well together, that builds up a great relationship. And so they have been, you know, fighting demons together and working really well together on that end. But but the the I'm in love with you, the kiss comes seven episodes in, you know, yeah, during I, through which most of it, he has been this kind of like shadowy figure stalking her in the background, which has been always really weird, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I can see how. How Buffy and Angel can be, they can't be missed. I think part of what is built in with them is just that star-crossed element of vampire in love with a slayer, the conceptual part of it. Sure. Um, I think is, is, is what has that, it's that Romeo and Juliet, the Capulets, the Montagues, you know, the vampires and the slayers, you know, um, this, this line that cannot be crossed and yet, you know, they're falling in love with each other anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I think that that for me, was like I was signed on, you know, because of that. I was like, yes, the star crossed the house, yes, you know, romantic perfect. conflict, of course, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And that can sometimes, you know, that can sometimes in some situations kind of stand in as a substitute for actually building the relationship. But when you want to believe in the love and the relationship, you really do need that build as well, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and so, yeah, I can see how that happened a little bit fast. But now where we are at this point, you know, in the story that she loved him more than anything, she had to, you know, kill him and send him to a demon dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, everything she went through in season two, when he turned, like for me, the like heartbreaking part is she's in love with him. He is everything to her. And he turns and then is so cruel to her. And yet, you know, here she is watching this monster walking around in the the body and the affectation of the man that she loved. Like that is so hard and so heartbreaking. And I think that for me, like the most effective moment with them is in I Only Have Eyes for You. Mm -hmm. When they do that, you know, they're both taken over by these... um, you know, by the ghosts and all of that and kind of work out some of those issues for Buffy. And that for me, like when she has him back for that moment and then he's just gone again, it's so fucking heartbreaking. It just destroys me. So at this point, by the time we get to becoming, she kills him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this huge dramatic moment that I can't watch without weeping for like seriously days. Like I will just break into tears for days after watching becoming. It's okay. It's how I process my trauma. It's fine. Um, and then for him to come back, you know, when he comes yeah. back after all that, like the people come back from the dead or the lost or whatever. To me, it always feels a little cheap. It's like, all right, you know, we just want to have David Boreanaz back. We just want Angel back. And so instead of letting it end with that moment, we're like bringing it back, you know, mm-hmm. which is, of course, what we end up doing with Spike after the end of season seven, you know, um, over in the season five of Angel. I said we spoil everything. Season yep. five of Angel, he comes back, he's, you know, and he returns from the dead. And that always felt like as much as I love Spike, that always felt a little cheap to me. Yeah. Um, but where we are now with you know angels back he's got his soul but after everything that they went through after everything that happened she can't tell her friends she's stuck in this space where you know where she's not being forced to make that decision about Mm -hmm. not being with him she just can have him for a little bit you know in this little space and i understand why she would do that and why she would keep that secret because as soon as she tells somebody she has to end it Yep. You know, and then she can't have him. She has to lose him again, like from yeah. her perspective, you know. And so for me, like this whole Buffy and Angel, they're doing the Tai Chi. They have the almost kiss, you know. Um, it's so like angsty and, and full of yearning. And yet, no, we can't. And that romantic tension is there. And it's it's really nice. And this works for me, yeah. um, you know. And I'm just curious if at this point, is it working for you? Um, it's working for me in a different way. I think I really, mm-hmm. really like the the tension between them. I really, really like all of the the emotions between them, you know, spoken and yeah. unspoken. Um and I mean, do and tai chi together is just like gorgeous well, what do you and think that is so sexy exercise hot. i mean that is foreplay exercise i mean come on it's so pretty it's they're in like full sunlight though which i'm just like okay i get yeah. it like it looks pretty fine whatever yeah. but you know yeah. angel's gonna be a little a little toasty by that point i, I don't know <laughs> whole new meaning to smoke show let yeah me tell you. yeah but uh <laughs> there you go yeah. but angel i mean I don't like I don't have I don't have, you know, capital F feelings for Buffy and Angel as a couple, but uh-huh. I really really like this character, you know, yeah. building mm-hmm. piece for Buffy of like, 
okay, like he's back and I have this thing that I so desperately want, but mm-hmm. I have to keep it a secret, but I can't, but oh, maybe I can a little bit. And then like <laughs> her, the, the emotional journey that we go on with her in this yeah. episode is wonderful. And then yeah. when her friends confront her, I mean, once yeah. again, once again, I'm on everybody's side and it makes me extremely uncomfortable. Like I, oh, see, I in a good that. way, like in such I a good lo- way yes. that like you're, you're torn. Yes. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God. Like, I love all of these people right now. And I like mm-hmm. see what everyone is going through. So, mm-hmm. no, but I really feel for Buffy, especially in the like when this secret comes out, then I have to make a decision. And yeah. I don't want to do that. Like, I have to yeah. end it or I have to, you know, face mm-hmm. up to, you know, all of these, all of the issues or all of the um, concerns that her friends raised. Everything that he did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I understand everybody except Xander, who's an asshole. We'll talk well, about that in a we'll minute. We'll talk about Xander in a minute. But like, <laughs> yeah, I just, I love, like, I really, really feel for, I think, I think what I love in this Buffy and Angel stuff right now is the Buffy side of it and her yeah like wanting to do right by everyone including mm-hmm. herself you yeah. know including like having this thing that she so so wants mm-hmm. um and you know what it will mean when she has to tell everyone that he's back yeah, and then to get caught oh in it, God. you know, to have it catch up with her. And um, and that's, I mean, I love that. I love conflicts where you look at all sides and you're like, you know, I get it. Like, I get why Buffy did what she did. And yeah, was it wrong? Probably. Yeah. 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 You know, because she has to, she has to tell them this affects them, you know, um, and puts them in danger, as Giles pointed out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, Oh, God, like, what a terrible choice. And I mean, this is what good fiction does, right? It makes people make terrible choices. A choice between awful and awful um, is is so hard. And yet it, it tells us who these characters are. And again, it's Buffy. Like, you know, we had that moment earlier with her and Faith where, you know, Faith had that bid for connection and Buffy couldn't. She just couldn't, you know. And she does, like she does keep these things and and we'll see her do this over and over again. She doesn't tell the whole story. She doesn't explain everything. That's because she can't talk to anybody. She's so isolated because nobody else understands what it is to be the slayer. And even faith who can understand what it is to be the slayer, you know, also hasn't been the slayer for very long. Hasn't been the slayer by herself for very long, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and doesn't have the same kind of situations. Didn't fall in love with a vampire and have to kill him, you know, I mean, like, didn't have any of these things happen. Like, there are things that happen to Buffy that nobody can understand. And that's so isolating, you know. Um, And I so I completely understand it from Buffy's point of view. And yet, when we get that moment from Giles. I know this is a lot to absorb. But Angel did find the glove. And that was a a good. I won't remind you that the fate of the world often lies with the Slayer. What will be the point? Nor shall I remind you that you've jeopardized the lives of all that you hold dear by harboring a no murderer. But sadly, I must remind you that Angel tortured me for hours, for pleasure. He should have told me he was alive. You didn't. You have no respect for me or the job I perform. How hurt 
he was in that moment, how that must have felt to him that Buffy would keep something like that from him because it's not just, you know, what she went through. Angel killed the love of his life. Angel killed Jenny, you know, and Angel tortured him and Angel, you know, all of the things that Angel did. And yet, you know, he doesn't rank as far as like deserving to know at this point. And of course that's not at all where Buffy was in that decision. She was just so tormented by the whole thing and did the best she could in a moment where there were no good options for her, you know, but God, when Giles says that it breaks my heart. Oh my God. Giles, Giles goes on such an emotional journey in this episode. I mean, to see him, to see him feel like ineffective as a watcher and as a father figure and as someone who cares about these young people. I mean, I think, and I think it's especially poignant after last week where we did see Mm -hmm. him being completely reckless and irresponsible because he was a rebellious teenage child. And so here he is, you know, back to things are back to normal, we think. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Gwendolyn Post swoops in to you know make to to make Giles have to look at his whole god his whole world his whole relationship yeah. to being a watcher being and and being completely disrespected in that realm too which let's not forget the watchers just had that whole jaunt in the Cotswolds, yep. you know, and didn't invite him, yeah. you know, like um, the way the Watcher's Council treats him with absolutely no respect. And then to have this representative of, you know, standard classic British Watcherdom, you mm-hmm. know, um, this this very uptight, you know, strict ruling kind of thing where Giles has an emotional connection with his slayer. He has an emotional relationship with the whole team. Like he is, he is not, you know, from on high, the one who gives commands. He is the one who works with a team and his way of doing things, you know, is effective. I mean, yeah. how many apocalypses have we stopped at this point? Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he's doing, he's doing pretty good, but he gets absolutely no respect. And we have the generic lack of respect from the Watcher's Council, which is something I never understand because he is the Watcher with the Slayer. Right. Like, I mean, granted, there's another Slayer now, but right now he's the Watcher with both Slayers. Right. Like he's the one who's taking care of everything and nobody, and he gets no respect from anyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's really ridiculous and frustrating and I I don't want to say I love it, but I I I love the no, perf- yeah. I love the performance choice to yes. have Giles take out that feeling like disrespected on the kids. He takes it out mm-hmm. on on um Xander and Willow mm-hmm. where he's snapping at them about yeah. You know, we have to find this and we have to do this. Like he's suddenly, he's suddenly like in mad dad mode and he's insecure. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He's insecure about it. You know, we've got to get this stuff done um, because the Watchers Council is goddamn abusive, but they do have a message that they have sent for us to play in this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and, and play that now. This episode of Still Pretty is brought to you by thewatcherscouncil.com. Specializing in unnecessary bureaucratic tedium since the beginning of, well, time. 
The Watchers Council is here to cash a paycheck while making things harder for the one person we're ostensibly here to support, the Slayer. I mean, she's one girl in all the world, but we can't make her or her Watcher feel, you know, important. No, no, that would be anarchy. The Watchers Council is all about feeling important while not actually being important. Or useful, or really much of anything besides pompous and ineffectual. Go to thewatcherscouncil.com and give us money and then bugger off. We'll keep the world safe by doing nothing and take your money without shame while we do it. Or, if you want to throw your money away, you could choose to take the $3 you might spend on upholding patriarchal bullshit and give it directly to Chipperish Media so they can keep making the great podcasts you love. Like Still Dead, about Angel the Series, hosted by Lonnie Diane Rich and Dr. Kelly Jones. Listen Up, A-Holes, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hosted by Lonnie Diane Rich and superhero scholar Joshua Unruh. Orgasm, about explosive inspiration from Dr. Kelly Jones and Noah LaCroix, and the Star Wars podcast Metaphors Be With You, hosted by Rob Hyrett. Visit patreon.com chipperish to find out more. But really, you should give your money to us. You know we'll just find a way to take it from you eventually anyway. Okay, so that was a message from our uh, Watchers Council, uh, pretty much, you know, being the dicks that they always are. Oh, but, the uh, Watchers but Council. Kind of fun. <laughs> Oh, the Watchers Council. Patriarchal bullshit and all. Patriarchal bullshit, absolutely. But like, really, like, okay, so they swear there was a memo that Gwendolyn Post had been kicked out. Wait, what? Like, hold on. Hold on. Is this like the least effective council ever? And also... It's a passive aggressive thing when Giles says, oh, so Gwendolyn Post turns out, you know, she was kicked out for use of dark magic and they swear there was a memo. Right. Yeah. Which says clearly there was no memo. Yeah. Right. Giles knows stuff. He pays attention. He's not just fucking around there in Sunnydale. Like if there was a memo, he would have known about it. He would have remembered the name. You don't forget a name like Gwendolyn Post very easily. Um, So I don't know. Like I find that whole thing to be to be just terrible and it's the way that they treat him is absolutely unacceptable totally totally awful um but you know one of the things though that i really love about this whole giles thing right it's like after he's found out about angel he knows that angel has the glove Mm -hmm. right and when he's talking to gwendolyn he says the glove is safe with angel yes like he still trusts buffy he trusts Angel with a soul, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's not rushing off to snatch the glove away from Angel. He tells Gwendolyn Post it's safe, and he believes that. And there's something about Giles's being able to do that with everything that he's feeling, with how disrespected he's feeling on all levels, to still be like, you know, to have a cool head about it enough to be like okay this is terrible i should have known you know buffy should have told me gwendolyn post was treating me terribly but i know that this glove is safe if it's with angel and he admits that and that's fine and i really it just makes me love him more yeah as if that was possible oh i love him so much yeah he's he is wonderful He's wonderful in this episode. I love, I love seeing Giles do the emotional roller coaster of Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, jerked around by the Watchers Council and then having to, you know, having this interloper and Mm -hmm. trying to do right by his job, but also wanting to do right by these young people that he cares about and taking out his 
anger and frustration on Sander and Willow. I mean, yes, I feel terrible, but oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. But it's I like it's great. Like it feels it feels very real. It feels very, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's that it's the layers. It's all of those layers. Giles has many layers, and I love them all. Um, I know all layers, emotional layers, layers of tweed. He's just layered. He's just layers. Well, we mentioned we mentioned Xander, and we mentioned Xander oh, and Willow, God. and we have to talk about it. And I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm so no, sorry. No, it's okay. Actually, actually, here's the thing. Um, I hate Xander with the whole like how awful he is to Buffy. Um, you know, during that that um oh, ambush scene, you know. Oh God. Um. Like when he says the next time you give him a happy, you know, Gross. and I'm like, oh my God. Gross. Fuck you, Xander. Also fuck I you. I absolutely hate him. Yeah. No, I'm just like, I absolutely hate him. But like, I also kind of love him. The performance is so good. Nick Brandon's performance in this episode is so, so excellent. I lo- oh my God. I love Xander in the cemetery. Why don't I alleviate <laughs> my guilt by going out and getting myself really, really killed? Really, really killed. <laughs> I, I, I love a moment. I love a moment of self-aware Xander. And yes, that's what we get there. But like mm-hmm. his, I get, I get being angry and hurt like that. That makes sense to me. But he's so out of line with the way he targets Buffy, I think. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, see, here's, and this, oh my God, that, that, intervention scene is so hard because I do as much as I don't like the way Xander's behaving I feel for Xander like I feel for you know this guy I mean Angel you know when he was Angelus murdered a whole lot of people like yeah and and was really like you know he was he was gonna hurt Willow he was Mm -hmm. he was scary as fuck and yeah, that's not something that you just like get over. You know, it's fine for Buffy to be like, "Oh, he's," but he's, you know, he's better now. He's back and he's better now. He's got a soul, but, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they everyone in that group experienced what they experienced, yeah. and to have to, yeah. you know, and they don't have that like deep soul level, haha, connection <laughs> with Angel that yeah. Buffy does. Right. They right. don't have mm-hmm. that. They don't have that passionate love affair making things complicated in that way. It's much to Xander. I mean, it's much simpler. He brings up Jenny Callender's death again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which feels, it feels a little, a little bit like he's using Jenny's death against Buffy in that moment. I don't. Yeah. I don't love it. But I also, again, I understand like being yeah. seriously seriously freaked out and traumatized by everything that they went through with Angelus. So I have so many feelings. I have so many. I know it's so complicated. And this is the thing, like I, I, I appreciate Xander's perspective on it. I appreciate him being hurt. I appreciate him being worried. Um, You know, like all that stuff, like I get, it is the way that he speaks to Buffy. Yeah. It is the nastiness with the way that he expresses all of that. And um, and when Buffy says, oh, you know, you are is this just jealousy, you know, and then Cordelia is like, get over yourself. But at the same time, I love that line from Cordelia. I, know. 
I love it. She's great. She's great. Um, but like at the same time, like I think that, yeah, that's always been part of Xander's hatred of Angel. That's always been a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, meanwhile, Angel has, uh, Angel with a soul has saved Xander. Like he killed a lot of people without a soul, but he saved Xander and everybody a number of times when he had a soul. Mm-hmm. And the idea that everybody is responsible or nobody is responsible for when they get possessed by whatever demon of the week is, you know, coming in and making them, I don't know, perhaps Xander, a hyena. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, a sexual assault hyena of a all things. sexual assault hyena, which is a very specific brand of hyena. Yes. Um, you got to breed for that. Oh, but um, but I mean, but Angel is, you know, held completely responsible for absolutely everything. Right. In a way that um, that I don't think is entirely fair, but vampires are are also held they're they're different in every way. Like they're the only ones that that have religion iconography has any power over them. There's like there's a whole bunch of stuff with with vampires that do kind of make them a, a separate thing from most demons. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like I. I love the performance. I think that Nick Brendan is amazing in this episode. Uh, he pissed me off. Xander pissed me off the way that he spoke to Buffy in, in that confrontation. And uh, and it, it, and I also, I loved the scene with Faith. Yes. Know? I but, love, I love them yeah. together. They're so great together. But like when he's like, she's like, well, I say I slay. And, she's, and he's like, can I come? Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to watch him die. Yeah. Knowing what this person means to Buffy and knowing everything that Buffy went through. Yeah. Like not having any concern or understanding for Buffy in this moment, um, kind of pisses me off. And uh, while I, I absolutely love the, the whole, like the, the performance of it, I think it's fantastic. Uh, Xander pissed me off in this episode, although with him and Willow though, God. with him and willow and i hate it i hate being on this ship because it feels so wrong but only because it is so wrong um but i kind of like they're so sweet together when they start kissing it's so sweet and it's awful and i have guilt for being on the ship oh my god okay all right but we have to talk we have to talk about that scene so yes. they go up to the stacks and they sit down and willow is all her eyes are all blurry and xander mm-hmm. starts to massage her temples and then, of course, our, like, sweet romantic music picks up. So we know where I this know. is going to go. So we're cued, right? I <laughs> love that so much. You know, she starts to yeah. moan a little bit. And then she says, stop. And yeah. Xander says, stop. He, like, really, really slowly and carefully, he's like, stop means stop. Stop means no. Mm-hmm. And no means no. So... Right. Stop. And he just and he pulls, pulls back, back and, and respects like, that. Oh, which, you know, obviously, right thing to do, right? If someone says yes. stop, stop. But as I, soon as somebody says I, stop, yes. I love that check-in, though, because the way mm-hmm. she says stop, it's there's it's conflicted. It does it's, have. It's it not a hard stop. It's a. It's, it's a, not a knock it off, asshole. Yeah. It's a, oh, I'm really enjoying this, but we have to stop. Yeah. And that's a little bit different. And again, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how somebody says it. Xander's response, stop means no and no means no and pulling back. And the thing is, he was slow to pull back. Yeah. I think because he was feeling obviously very conflicted in that moment, yeah. too. But it was it was it's a great check in. It's a great check in because yeah. he gives yeah. her time to yes. like correct him on you know like do i take this word literally 
do you mean literally stop or do you mean stop because we really shouldn't do this but keep going? Right. Um, right. Exactly. And asking what somebody means. is very you know, important. And, uh, repeating their words back at them. Mm-hmm. Also really good. It's so. Yeah. And I think for me that check-in makes that yeah. makes the scene so great so that then when he pulls back and then she grabs him and kisses him. And I'm like, yeah. Him. <laughs> get yeah. in there. Get in there and get Aww. some of that, Willow. But <laughs> Yeah. It's and it's a great kiss. Oh my god. That's a Oh, it is a great that's kiss. That's a fantastic kiss. I mm-hmm. I'm yeah, I I I don't ship it, but I maybe a little bit. Maybe just a bit. I okay. I enjoy it. The ship is passing by and I'm enjoying the ship as it passes me by. I love it. <laughs> you know. And I know it's wrong. And there are so many people who are like, oh, my God, Xander and Willow, I hate it. It's terrible. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But I kind of love it. I can't help it. I do. Um, You know, it's just there's something about it that's incredibly sweet. And I always love those two together. And they have amazing chemistry. And it just works for me, despite the fact that intellectually, yes, it's it's wrong in a million ways, not just because they're dating other people, but it's just wrong in a million ways. Yeah, it's a problem. But I I appreciate I appreciate the subplot of seeing somebody who was your friend Mm -hmm. in a romantic light and having that be new and exciting. Like, I think that's, I think that's a real experience that people have. And then of course, oh God, Giles, Giles knows Mm -hmm. what's up. I love, and I, (laughs) Giles knows he seemed clueless to me. No, he seems extremely knowledgeable to me when he comes in. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because he's not even looking at them and he's talking to them like nothing's happening. Like, I thought that he just was so absorbed in all of the stuff that he's got going on in this episode, which is quite a lot that he didn't even notice. Well, it's funny. The first time through, I thought he didn't notice. The second time through, when he was so, the way he says Xander, Willow, and they, like, he sort of. Not that he's because he's got when a you stomp your vision. feet really loudly coming into a room because you know shit's going down. Right, like that? they were obviously very quiet back there. I just, yeah. I the way he comes in and he, it's almost like I don't have time for this bullshit. He just says you can stop. And I think he says you can stop your studying. Um, right in this sort of in this pointed dad sort of way, and they're like, you know, you know, I know. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to address it with you because we have bigger fish to fry kind of kind of way. Yeah. I don't know. The second time through, I was convinced that he knew that they were that they were making out, but wasn't mm-hmm. going to address it with them. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what the folks in Discord think. If they think. Giles, yeah, no, I'm really interested. I to mean, see. I was about to say, like, Giles has peripheral vision, but in Sunnydale, I'm not so sure people Nobody do has have per- peripheral vision. Nobody has peripheral vision in Sunnydale. <laughs> Because that's Sunnydale is tunnel vision central. Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. But I also really loved Willow's processing in this episode. Oh, God. When she's talking to Buffy, first of all, she is so kind to Buffy and so understanding. And I mean, part of it is because secrets are secrets are fine. Secrets are fine. Yeah. You know? Yep. She goes through that whole thing. And I mean, you know, obviously she's over identifying with it, but still like she's she's understanding. I've got in the ambush scene where she's like, nobody's using I statements. Oh, God. Know? Giles. No one's using the I Giles. statements. Giles. 
Oh my God! Back me up, Giles. So great. Oh, Willow. It's so sweet, and she's so when she's talking to Buffy, and you know, trying to like say, okay, so I have something I need to talk to you about. I haven't talked to you about it, but keeping secrets is bad, and yada yada. And then Buffy, of course, has the fight with Lagos, and Willow loses her nerve and says, you know, I opened up the SAT booklet five minutes early, which is very sweet. Um, But it's just, oh God, I just love everything with Willow. And then when she's like, but you know, maybe it's only good because it's a secret. Maybe if I said yeah. something, then it wouldn't be a secret and then it wouldn't have that, you know, hold on me. And all. it's just so sweet watching her process yeah. all of this stuff and trying to figure it out. And I like that Buffy acknowledges that for her, like, no, keeping a secret yeah. doesn't make it. It yeah. doesn't make it fun and sexy. Keeping a secret makes it stressful. And I feel mm-hmm. like here with Willow and Buffy, we have a very sort of. You know, to to oversimplify, we have kind of a childish view on secrets, yes, and a more mm-hmm. adult view on on secrets, absolutely. Because you know, yeah. when you're when you're young and in love and messing around, like yeah, secrets are kind of kind of fun and sexy because you have this private yeah. thing that no one knows mm-hmm. about. But when you're an adult, a secret is something that okay, you have to uphold and remember who knows what and mm-hmm. you know, make sure you've got all your bases covered and it's not yeah. it's not fun. Buffy's no, not, not and I like that insight into Buffy that Buffy's not having a good time keeping mm-hmm. Angel secret. It's not that she yeah. has this like fun, sexy vampire boyfriend rendezvous that she goes to. Right. It's she feels extremely conflicted about this. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that acknowledgement of secrets can be fun, but they can also be kind of soul crushing, depending on yeah, you know, absolutely. what you're keeping a secret. Um, absolutely well willow oh my god willow with no like no cool whatsoever is just probably my favorite willow like trying (laughs) so hard and when she's trying to talk herself into talking to buffy you know this will make me feel Mm -hmm. better right like this is good she's so willow is so dear i just i just love her i just love her i know i I know she's the best yep no xander is worth it willow i know (laughs) All right. So, Noelle, yes. let me talk to you a little bit. What are you wearing? Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> well, um, what am I wearing? Uh, so, speaking of Willow, Willow's costuming just continues to be so wonderful and excellent. Yeah. I love I love the way they take Allison Hannigan, who is obviously, like, a very beautiful, very sexy young woman, and they have to kind of... Mm-hmm. They kind of dork her up a little bit, just yeah. a little bit with like her super high neck T-shirts and, their, yeah. you know, they make her look kind of more on the childish end of things. Like she wears a lot yes. of little kid jewelry, which mm-hmm. I think is an, yes, a really interesting choice. Um But I just love her, like her pink shirt at the bronze and then... Mm-hmm. The, through most of this episode she wears this purple sweater that has like falling leaves on it and it's just it's just really like it's really nice it feels like a i don't know it works for me as a as a willow Mm -hmm. a willow sweater um but i absolutely love buffy's hair in this episode Mm -hmm. when she's doing tai chi with angel she's got this kind of cinderella updo with this little black headband and i Mm -hmm. i get full-on disney princess from that hair and i think that that's a hundred percent intentional but i love i love the like fancy 
updo to go see mm-hmm. Angel. It just, it really, yeah. it really works for me. Um, she knows she looks good. Mm-hmm. Oh, she knows she looks good. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that red coat. Oh, my God. Yeah. Buffy's uh. red coat. Buffy has an excellent collection of coats. There's a, she does. There's a yellow coat later on that I yeah. love. Her coats are the best. Buffy mm-hmm. coats are where it's at. And, of course, you know, once again, we've got Faith being a really nice visual counterpoint to Buffy. So when Buffy is wearing her red coat, Faith is wearing tan. And yeah. they, you know, again, we get this nice, you know, um, color contrast between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And they just look fantastic and framed together yeah. always. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite bit of costuming in this episode is actually uh, Gwendolyn Post. She's yeah. got this really wonderful 1940s femme fatale aesthetic that mm-hmm. I think fits in really naturally with her kind of, you know, stuffy British authoritarian, you know, swoops in and, you know, cracks down on everyone with the rules Mm -hmm. kind of persona. But it's also a great way of really subtly foreshadowing her as a villain. I mean, she wears, Mm -hmm. I, I would say that most of what she wears could be worn by, say, you know, Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity. Right. She looks, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. you know, like she looks very femme fatale and she's got that great like 40s style hair that just mm-hmm. tops it off so beautifully. I, I absolutely love, I hate Gwendolyn Post. I love how she looks like everything about, yes. everything about her look is so spot on for me. And I think mm-hmm. really, um, you know, it feels very real for her character, but it also feels really great as a, you know, telegraphing this, like, villainous turn that she's going to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, really good. Um, all right. So for me, Arg the Patriarchy this oh. week is just fucking Watcher's Council. Like, it really I is. I mean, it really, so it really is the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind yeah. of kind of all it is. And... Yeah, I, I mean, we'll have a lot to say about the Watchers Council. I think as we as we move oh, through yeah. the series, we're gonna have more and more and more to say about the Watchers Council as we move through this season and and future seasons. They're gonna pop up a few times and always need to be you know hit like a whack a mole every time. But <laughs> excuse me, ah, oh, oh so tired of that cough, man. I know it'll go away. It will. It just takes fucking forever. Um, all right. So, Noelle, do you have a girl power moment of the week? I do. I do. I talked a little bit about Buffy, you know, being an adult and Buffy, you know, grappling with all of this mental, emotional, you know, heart, mm-hmm. all of these things that she has to go through. During the the scene where everyone is confronting her. Yeah. She has this moment, you know, Xander, Xander's being really very cruel and confrontational with her. Yeah. And she has this moment where she starts to raise her voice at mm-hmm. him. And then she pauses and she says, we're not together like that. Like she mm-hmm. brings, she's able to bring herself back to calm, yeah. even though she's in this really heightened state of feeling um, really attacked. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. I'm like, yeah, like that's that is super, super impressive and shows a kind of strength of character that really um, 
is really representative, I think, of who Buffy is. She's able to hold multiple things in her mind at once. And, you know, you can see her wanting to lash out at Xander and yell Mm -hmm. at him. But she pulls it back and she calmly explains the situation. And I just I love it so much. Right. I mean, she is truly an adult. She has been forced into adulthood way too soon. But as we saw last week in Band Candy, like she is the one who can hold it all together, who can, you know, keep her cool when, you know, she would have every reason to be like freaking out. Right. Um, And so she's it's unfair. It's almost sad that she has to be such an adult, but she does it so well. And it really is a powerful moment for her to be able, you know, to keep your head when those around you are losing theirs, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I thought that was really nice. Um, What's your favorite part? My favorite part is Faith, the would-be angel slayer. (laughs) I know it's, you know, it's misguided, obviously, but she is all business and I love it so much when she and Xander are going through the weapons and she's just like, she's grabbing what she needs and she's ready to go. I I love Faith to the rescue, Faith on the job. So great. Makes me so happy. She's fantastic. Yeah. Faith is also my favorite part in this episode, but it's it's more like the the brilliant way that they set her up, you know, this bid for connection. Buffy kind of slaps it back. She's already hurt. Then Gwendolyn Post comes in and just fucks all of her shit up, you know? Um, and it's so sad and heartbreaking, you know, to watch her go from a place of trust and inclusion to exclusion and suspicion and wanting to reach out, wanting to reach back to Buffy, but then not being able to do it. You know, she just doesn't have that strength. Um, she's so great. She's such a fun and complicated character. Um, and I just, God, I love it. I love everything about her in this episode. I do too. <laughs> but I mean, if Faith is in an episode, my favorite part is going to be Faith. So it usually you is. Know. It there usually is. She's kind of like, like Wesley for me over on the Angel mm-hmm. show over on Still Dead. Yep. It's like almost always going to be Wesley. <laughs> yep. All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Noelle Aloud and use the hashtag StillPretty. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Noelle and all the Chipperish patrons who are not the watchers of us. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by using I statements only. I feel angry. I feel worried. And of course, I love Still Pretty. (laughs) A big thank you goes out to Rob Hyrett for voicing the Watchers Council for us. Yes, we will be making him do that again. We'll be back next time with Lover's Walk, the eighth episode of season three and the return of Spike. Ah! (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Until then, really, we're just good friends.